6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. I never stopped playing for South Africa because I wanted to. That's where I'm trying to say to you. After my 100, I played 100 test match in, in, in Pretoria. And then we get to Durban. We lost the game dismally. And then we get to the following game in Cape Town, which is the Boxing Day. The one day, the New Year's Day. Because we lost the game, and then I was the one who was dropped out of that team, out of that 11. And then I was never where the green and gold again. You know, all of them, I watched them playing every single city in South Africa because they were retiring. I was never been given that opportunity as well. So my one was shut down immediately effect because within the same month later, I lost my contract from A plus to no contract in South Africa. You want me to be honest with you? I'd love you to. I was forever lonely because the, the first thing that comes to loneliness is not to have someone knocking at your door and say, let's go for dinner. That's loneliness on its own where you will watch friends calling each other and then having plans right in front of you and then you'll be skipped. And then at the same time, when you walk into the breakfast room, if you were the first one in the breakfast room, you will see the next person that walks in, it will never come and sit next to you. And then I I find a way, but that way it became one of the, the best weapon of my life whereby I will go to the driver of the bus early morning and then I'll give him my bag. And then I'll say to him, I'll meet you at the ground. I'll put my running shoes. I'll run to the cricket ground. And then same thing on my way back. I'll give the bus driver my dirty clothes. And then I'll say, I'll see you at the hotel. I'll run all the way back to the hotel. But people... They never understood why I was doing that. Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On with me, Tabiso Musia, Katleko Mudiva, and Timothy are producing the show, and Patrick Munana is our technical producer. That clip we've opened with is uh, Proteas legend Makayantini, who got people very emotional today when he revealed his experiences in the Proteas setup, where he was uh, usually the only black player in the team. He was speaking to Valen Ketley on SABC's Morning Live, and uh, it's been the subject of conversation the whole day. And of course, uh, Makaya was also part of the group that wrote a letter that says that they stand with Lungi Ngidi in the wake of his remarks about the Black Lives Matter movement. A lot of people had wanted to hear Makaya's side of the story, but I don't think they were ready. I don't think we expected it to be this deep and to be this raw. The man says he felt lonely in the national team. They wouldn't sit with him when he was eating and he would even run to training and to match venues because he didn't feel like he was welcomed in the team and that's why he couldn't get on the same bus ride with his teammates. That's what he was talking about in that clip. And I've actually been told earlier today by somebody who was close to that situation that Makaya would be fined when he arrived late, even though they knew that he was finding his own way to the grounds. He was running, he wasn't using the bus, but they would still find him even if he was 10 minutes late. It is... Yeah, no, it's an eye-opener for sure. I don't think a lot of people are, are surprised after what we've heard over the past few days. I mean, last night we heard from Eddie Lee right here on the show. He told us that um, he told us about his challenges in, in uh, of, of playing cricket in South Africa, and that's why he was offered a chance to go play for the West Indies there. And these stories are just heartbreaking, and guys are coming out one by one now. And I did say yesterday that cricket in South Africa will have to take a hard look at itself after the revelations of the past uh, few days and this afternoon actually uh, the former captain Faf Duplessis also came out uh, to say um, that to admit actually that he was wrong uh, for saying that he does not see Kala in the national team. Remember we raised this issue it was after Temba Pavuma was dropped and he was told to go and make runs in domestic cricket and uh, Faf says yeah that's a decision we've made and we don't see Kala here even though people were saying but when other senior players are injured uh, they find their way back into the team. Why must uh, Temba go and 
prove himself in domestic cricket. He did go and prove himself in domestic cricket, of course. And uh, we raised this issue to say that it is, it can be that you're a, nation, a captain of a, of a national team in South Africa in any sport and you don't see colour. It just can be. Then you don't understand what your responsibility or your role in the team is. And uh, Faf Duplessis now has come out and he said that he was wrong there and he's uh, shown his support to the Black Lives Matter movement. Graham Smith also came out today, the director of cricket. It was about two hours ago. He says he will take a knee in tomorrow's Solidarity Cup match in Centurion. That's the experimental match with three teams. While Cricket South Africa has now replaced Hendrik Klassen. This also happened this afternoon. They've replaced Hendrik Klassen with Reza Hendricks after questions were raised about why all three of the captains for this match are white. There's A.B. de Villiers, there's Quentin de Kock. There was also Gachiso Rabada, but he had to pull out because of a family issue and then he was replaced by Hendrik Klassen and a lot of people were saying, but uh, how can this be? And in a statement today, Cricket South Africa says the decision to replace Hendrik Klassen with Reza Hendricks came after organizers recognized and acknowledged the importance to walk the talk in matters of transformation and taking the lead from Cricket South Africa's own policies and firm stance and support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And yeah, like the old saying says, the chickens have come home to roost here, folks. But anyway, uh, that's not what we are doing tonight. It's a Friday. I think we must take it a little bit easy. It's been an emotional week uh, for all of us, especially with these revelations that have been made by these former players, especially a guy like Makayantini, who some of us grew up watching Makayantini. I mean, we remember where we were when Makayantini made his debut for the Proteas and he was such a beacon of hope to all of us wanting to play cricket and for Makayantini to reveal that he was treated like this in the, the national team it's, it's it's really breaking a lot of us but um, it is a Friday we're going to try and take it easy and uh, we're going to be in conversation with Neil Tovey the former Bafana Bafana defender also former captain of uh, Kaiser Chiefs of course and uh, it's in celebration of the Nelson Mandela Day celebrations and Neil Tovey was uh, one of the lucky captains to stand toe-to-toe with the great man Nelson Mandela and he lifted the trophy at the Africa Cup of Nations in 1996. So he has agreed to speak to us tonight, uh, Mukuku. If you wanna, um, if you have any comment or you want to speak to Neil Tovey tonight, please free, feel, feel, feel free to send us your voice notes to 061-4104-107 or you can call us on 0891-104-207. We're also going to talk FA Cup. FA Cup is back on SABC3 this weekend. It is big, a big weekend. It's semi-final time there's Manchester United and Chelsea and there's also Man City up against Arsenal both matches will be live on SABC Sport SABC 3 this weekend Zanzi's sporting milestones moments and stories flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musia so like we always do on a flashback Friday, we like to celebrate our sporting heroes of years gone by, look at the sporting moments that captured our, our hearts and imagination. And uh, tonight we are in conversation with a former captain of Bafana Bafana, Mr. Neil Tovey. He lifted the Africa Cup of Nations back in 1996, of course, when South Africa beat Tunisia 2-0 in that final. He's been, uh, it's still in, he's been involved in football over the years. Uh, Neil Tovey still giving back to the game, which is uh, great to see. And he joins us on the line. Neil, good evening sir from us on SAFM. Thank you very much for being available to speak to us tonight. Yeah, good evening to you and the listeners. Thanks, Neil. I mean, as the country celebrates Mandela Day tomorrow, you were fortunate enough to meet the great man Nelson Mandela and lift the trophy alongside him. I'm sure you had other experiences with him, but what memories do you hold dear of Nelson Mandela? Yeah, what a special man, you know. Um, ah, I mean, to be, he's got to be the statesman of, of, of the 19th and the 20th century, you know. Um, in the 21st century. I mean, he's a statesman of the world. Um, special, special, humble, uh, so humble in his approach, you know, so forgiving. So what a special man. Every moment that you had with him, uh, uh, you cherished every moment. And I was, as you say, I was very, very privileged and lucky to to have uh, had personal encounters with him. Uh, and, and even, and more so during that, those, those brilliant, uh, a brilliant month of January and February in 1996, when when he was in his early days of of being the the, the president, and um, and obviously sport was to play a major role in in helping unify the country and bring the country together. So uh, yeah, some brilliant, brilliant memories. 
And how do you describe his role during that tournament? I mean, we've spoken to a few former players, even the late Phil Masinga used. He would tell us that he knew everybody's name and he would call or he would rock up at breakfast uh, uh, unannounced or unexpected. Yeah, it was, that's what I say. It was so special because, you know, uh, we we were the final of a final and uh, it didn't matter when he walked into a room that he'd only, he would never only just greet us as players or management. He would greet each and every single person in that room. Uh, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you did. He would greet, he would spend time with you. He would not just say morning and then move on. He would greet you, speak to you, talk to you, ask you questions. And uh, so that really, really stood out for me. And then obviously, as I said, throughout the tournament, I'd, I'd be giving that calls continuously uh, throughout the tournament, asking me how the players, what are you feeling? You know, obviously, uh, he came to visit us a couple of times, but, uh, but he was a very busy man, so he couldn't get to us all the time, so he would drop a telephone call, and what a special moment. And in one of the interviews we saw while preparing for the show, you mentioned that Madiba said to you guys, thank you, after you won. Do you think that he realized how much that win was going to help unite the country at the time or just help the the, the mood in the country at the time? Well, you know, if, if, if we look back, and I'll just obviously discuss the tournament now in a moment, but when he said thank you to us, no, we said thank you to him because he was the person that got us to play international football. We were never going to get close to competing internationally until, until you know, the whole, the whole process of a democratic country. So that was very special to us. I had only the aspirations of, uh, and inspirations of playing for Kaiser Chiefs. Mm. You know, they, you club football, uh, and we didn't even look at international football. And, and myself, I can only talk from my point of view that, uh, I played my first international game at the age of 30, and I was already 34 in that tournament. So I was really, really lucky to, to get some international football, whereas the likes of Jomo and them, you know, brilliant players like them, never had the opportunity to play for their country, unfortunately. But uh, so I always felt I was very, very privileged uh, to, to have been in that position, even though uh, I lost 10 years of, of, of football, international football, because I only played at my first game at the age of 30. But I was still very, very thankful and grateful to, to, to Mediva for, for, for giving us a small opportunity for, for me to, to play in that tournament. And what a special tournament it was. You're asking the question, what he did for us. We, we, you know, we were, often our team talks revolved around, look, look at how this man has been in jail for 27 years. And, and how can we not try to run through brick walls, try to exert ourselves more every time we're up against it in a match. Uh, how can we not do more uh, for, for, for him uh, and for ourselves, obviously? Uh, it had to happen. Uh, there was no way. And we always felt when we were up against it that we could look for inspiration from him when the ball went out of play or someone went down injured. We would just rally, and that was the key of our tournament because... Although we won it, you, there was always going to be moments and uh, that we were up against it. You cannot dominate the tournament continuously for the entire tournament. So we used to get that inspiration in, in moments where we were up against it. And we had to limit that time period to, to shorter moments because football is like that. It doesn't matter if you're a Barcelona or a Brazil. You never dominate the game for the entire 90 minutes. But your key factors are when you are up against it, to make them shorter periods that that, that, that the opposition dominate you. And 24 years later, Neil Tovey, did you realize that that win would still have so much impact in in the country? And and do you expect that you would still be the only uh, Bafana team to have won Afcon? No, not at all. We were very very naive in in what the tournament was about, what the how the enormous and what an impact that tournament has on our own careers and our own profiles and our, and our country, as you said, in terms of, of a sporting nation, because as you know, the, the rugby players had done it a couple of months before. Mm. So, but it was destiny. And, uh, you know, it, it was really important that we did it. 
for for the multicultural country that we were and got the people to then give them inspiration that there was this new dawning and uh, that we that the country was on a new current, a new beautiful pathway and and so that was was very very special to us but in terms of knowing what we would do oh, no idea absolutely no idea because we didn't even know how good we were mm. um we just grew from each match in the tournament uh, our, our confidence levels grew uh, and our performances grew throughout the tournament which was very very special and as you say i mean now to win that tournament that is one of the most difficult tournaments to win in the world i think it's harder to win than uh, african cup of nations than the world cup mm. and i might find quite stupid in saying that but but there's 52 nations in in, in africa uh, and to qualify and to be part of it, okay, yes, we were hosts, but it's really extremely difficult to be become out the number one nation in winning uh, winning uh, the Afcon. It is you know you have to travel into areas of Africa that are that are that are <laughs> really really difficult. Mm. So uh, yeah, it, it's coming back 24 years later. It just shows you how difficult it was to is to win. It's not. It doesn't get done by a large number of African nations. I think there's only been uh, eight or so, uh, stand to be corrected, that have lifted the the trophy in all the years. So yes, uh, and we're privileged to be one of them. And now, Neil Tovey, then why has it been so hard to to replicate that success over the years? In your opinion, I think we when we won it so quickly, I think we thought, well, then we just had to do what we have to do and, and not put measures in place to sustain it. Mm. And I kind of thought that it would be a natural conveyor belt of that kind of talent. But having said that, I still believe that the current crop of players or the crops of players in, of yesteryear have been very, very, very good in their technical ability. Mm-hmm. But we had a special crop of players from a mental attitude. Our guys were so mentally strong, and I came back to and alluded to it earlier that when we had when we had problems uh, on the field, and we could we could change the game at any given moment, and and that was from our mental strength. Yes, surely it was also from our technical ability. Mm. We had match players and Doc and Shoes and and and, and Hellman and all the rest of them, and Mark Williams, Phil the singer, and the guys that could score goals, Sean Bartlett, but. We were a really, really tight unit. We were uh, mentally so, so powerful and strong. And I think if you have to look at the, the that's where it's been very difficult to emulate uh, in in these going on from there because it's it's a new democracy, the entitlement, the the willing willingness to go the extra mile to go through hardships. I don't know if the mental capacity and the current crop of players or the past crop of players have been as strong as ours was then. Mm. Yes, there are certain players that 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 are mentally stronger, and you've seen them in the, in the current crop, like a Kakana or a Furman, but to have 22 or 21 of them, I don't think we have a, have a complete entire squad as strong as we had. And also, Neil, in, in your book, A Captain's Journey, you actually reveal that you lost your mother a couple of weeks after that Afcon tournament. I mean, how was it? How tough was it then to deal with grief uh, so quickly after uh, reaching such highs? Yeah, look, I mean, it was it was it was like you said, such a high and such a low. Um, uh, the family actually protected me from it during during the course of the tournament because my mother was apparently very very ill. Uh, but I didn't have a, no inclination that she was ill, and the family did protect me from it. But the, the as you say, the uh, you know you come out of there and it's just a four year after the tournament was was so much. Uh, but then having to go a week when 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 my mom really got into difficulty and 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 the last week of her life. But it was what I drew from it is that she had. It wasn't. She didn't uh, pass away before we became African champions. She, she kind of had her moment to wait until uh, we lifted the trophy, and, and you know, 
it's here, son there with Madiba. So I drew inspiration from that, that you know, it wasn't all in vain. And I mentioned the book, A Captain's Journey, um, written by Ernest. Why did you decide to tell your story? And, and what, what, what can people expect, those that haven't read the book yet? Look, it's a book about <laughs> just plain and simple Neil Tovey. Uh, you know, going from my early years, and you've got to recall that uh, I was playing football in the apartheid years in the 80s uh, for for. for uh, when football was a multiracial sport from 1978. Um, so we were going as a as a white Durban City club, if you could call it that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did have African footballers, coloured footballers, uh, going into the townships uh, in the 80s. And then I was with Amazulu as well. Uh, and, and all this in an apartheid uh, country, you know, and then coming out of that and then having the experience too in a democratic country. So the book tells its story of, of the different ups and downs and, 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 and experiences that, that I lived through my, my younger years and then obviously my experienced years uh, through Chiefs of the Fauna and the trips and, and, uh, and as you say, the, the ups and downs of the passing of my mom. And uh, so, you know... Um, the book just tells a simple, plain story. Um, it's a, uh, apparently, it's a wonderful read. People say it's a simple read, mm-hmm. a great read. It's not expensive. 200 odd rand, 230 rand, or something in the books in in uh, in the bookshelves. So it's 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 a, just my story. And to be honest, when Ernst approached me, I wasn't convinced that I should do. Why me? You know, and then he said, no, you've got a story to tell. You've got a wonderful story to tell. And how I was playing in the park uh, as a white boy with, with, with blacks, colored Indians. I was playing that in, in the 80s and the 70s. I was playing in the park and uh, with, with all races as a youngster. And, and how did I know that that would help me in my future career down the line, you know, mm. um, but that was, it. I was just a kid wanting to play football, play different sports. It didn't matter who I was playing with or who I was playing against. And, and it just tells those wonderful stories uh, when I was a young kid in the park and, 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 and no one really cared about the, the racial groups as a youngster then. Uh, I was very, very privileged to, to, to have that and, and, uh, you know, and, and how it would have an impact future, my future life. For those who just joined us, we're catching up with the former Bafana Bafana captain, Neil Tovey, just uh, just talking about his story about winning AFCON 96 and obviously uh, tracing back his football career. And he's talking about how he was playing uh, football even during the dark days there of apartheid. And if you have any um, comments or views, you can send your voice notes to this number 061-4104-107 or you can SMS us on 41391 and uh, also you can call us directly on 891 before I go to the voice note, then Neil, having um, you've explained to us, I mean, your story playing in the park and you didn't see color. How how much an honor was it then to be part of the first Bafana Bafana uh, team and also captain it, right? Yeah, I was very very lucky in privilege. As I said, thirty years of age, I uh, turned thirty that week, uh, and, and we played uh, Cameroon at Kings Park, mm. um, and and you know. Uh, to be the captain, to captain us back into international football, very, very lucky, very, very privileged, as I said. And and you know, you at that time, I'm just a footballer. I, you know, I was I, I was just happy to be part of the team. And and you don't quite, you know, you don't quite realise, you know, the achievement when you when you play in the game. You just wanted to. What I wanted to do is just play the next game, play my next game, and. And, and, and just win the next game and, and that's what my life was about and, and give dedicate my my entire body and soul to, to the game of football and, and for the fans and, and and to to run as hard as I could and to play as hard as I could to do as as, as well as I could. I never had the the individual ability of doc and shoes and them guys, but obviously I had my little bit of quality of leadership and stuff like that, which which Obviously, the coaches saw in me.
And uh, I'm going to go to the voice notes now, but I want to read this tweet uh, from Poker Times on Twitter. It says, one of the things that pained me was when Neil Tovey was stripped of his captaincy without notice. He said he was only told in the last minute that in today's game, the captain will be so and so. Please ask him about this. And this is something that you also touch on in the book. And Neil, losing your captaincy to Steve Compella in 1993 amid allegations of ill-discipline. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it was upset me because... It was a situation that happened that that wasn't it didn't warrant that 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 losing of the captaincy um, because we were trying to get to the match. Uh, it was a Morocco Swallows Hellenic match because it was played midweek, uh, and we were sort of in camp, but no one was really in camp because the team hadn't assembled. Only some of it had assembled, and and we tried to get to the stadium at, at Ellis Park. And it was clouded, and we so we just we just sort of did a U-turn, went into Rosebank, and we just sat uh, at a coffee shop and a, and a pub, and just and had a, had you know I mean we had a couple of drinks, and but it wasn't like we were uh, it was one or two drinks watching the game, we were relaxing and, and enjoying it, nothing out of hand, and 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 and, and a doctor uh, passed on a message to to Safa that that we were drinking and, and the fact that same doctor we that same night we spoke to him and discussed football with him and even offered him if he wanted a cool drink or he wanted whatever and and then I need to hear that now I'm under disciplinary measure they didn't uh, ask me from the team all they did is drop me from the captaincy but I said oh, no problem I will continue I'll continue to work hard and play hard for the team and uh, uh, you know if I'm not captain that's, that's fine I will I'll give Steve Compeller my ultimate best and, and help him in his leadership role and whatever. And that's what happened. And then I need to get my captaincy back, obviously, just um, in 1994. So so it was a case of we won the case, uh, but, but obviously I, I was crucified and, and lost the captaincy. Sure, okay. What a story there. Get the book also if you want more. Captain's Jane in of his book is out, but... Of the voice notes that are coming through. So, Mr. from Ramazidi, so from Botaville. You I remember Makoko in 1990 when he, he, he kicked the free kick between uh, Sundance in the BP top eight final. And then Robson Nirende took that uh, in a header. He put it when they, they, they win 3 2. It was outstanding, Mr. Toffee. Thanks, Mr. Toffee. You were exceptional that day. Thank you. Evening, Mr. Msia and my legend there, uh, Nel Toffee. Uh, please, uh, Nel Toffee, uh, I want to ask you one question, my man. How do you see our soccer is taking which direction? And the uh, second question is that, uh, I don't remember you wearing an armband as a captain. So, elaborate on that. Denny Morrow, Muruling Rastenbeck, sharp, sharp. Hi, Mkoko Neltovi. How did you feel when your jersey number 17 was taken by, by Benny McCarthy during that time? Thank you very much. You are, you was a great man by then. Thank you very much, Sharp. Hi, good evening, Mr. Toby. It's quite nice to hear your voice after so many years. My name is Leon and I'm from Old Bay, Cape Town. What I want to say thank you for the African Cup of Nations of 96. I was still a very young boy and it was so nice after the first Democratic election to have a national team winning a cup. Okay, thanks for those voice notes. You can keep them coming on 0614104107. But let's get our guest Neil Tovey to just respond to some of them. Uh, let's start with the one about which direction our football is taking, Neil. Yeah, look, I mean, um, over the last couple of years, uh, since 2015, we've had quite a, a really, really successful period in, in our junior national teams um, participating in major competitions. I mean, in 2015, our 17 boys played in the World Cup. 
Uh, under 17 women's team has played in the World Cup. Uh, under 20 boys have played in back-to-back World Cups. The under 23 men's have played in back to will we'll be playing in back-to-back um, uh, Olympic Games. Obviously, when the Olympic Games, the next one uh, starts in 2021. Um, and uh, the women's team, the ladies, uh, Banyana, have uh, qualified for the Olympics and the World Cup. And the men's Bafana uh, have uh, finally got to an AFCON and got to the quarterfinals. So over the last five years, there's been a really, really good progression. What I'd like to see is now that we've qualified for those major competitions, that we now take it to the next step uh, and we start taking our performance level so that we can now start getting to quarterfinals, semifinals of, of major cup competitions. Um, we have... We have a really, really talented crop of young players between the age of 20 and I'd say 25 that I think can continue us into a great vein of, of a World Cup in, in the future. And I think if we, we nurse those players correctly, uh, we, 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 we have got the ability to, to take our game into a new dimension. This, this under-23 Olympic team is a really, really good a couple of players. And I think we've got great potential there. Um, we need to also get the the football down in the regions and the provinces. We need to start getting um, people down, technical people within, within those sectors uh, operating within the coaching development, uh, leagues getting played, juniors football being played. So there's a lot of work to be done. Unfortunately, they have, you know, it's, it's a time where it's very, very tight on budgets. Companies with this COVID have really reined in their resources. So it's an extremely difficult time uh, uh, in terms of, of getting money for sponsorships and, and, and the like uh, to carry out the programs. But we have to get inventive. We have to get creative. So that we can we can um, we can use it to to get the true potential that we have in this country because we've got great players, but we need to work with them and get them mentally tuned to what it entails at the highest level, and that's the biggest area that we need to work on. And I'm glad you highlighted the success of the successes of the junior teams. A lot of people seem to under 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 downplay or underlook this part that our junior teams have actually been qualifying for major tournaments here. And uh, let's just hope, like you said, we can build on that. There was a gentleman asking about your jersey number being given to Benny McCarthy. He said it was 17. I remember you wearing jersey number nine most of the time. Yeah, yeah no, no, Benny didn't take my jersey. Mm. Um, uh, I was always nine. Um, I wore none. In fact, I think Sean Bartlett went. Uh, he also changed jerseys, and you know, it was a couple different. But I never wore seventeen. No, no. And talk to us about jersey number nine, then, because we had this discussion with the producers before the show. <laughs> Why would a defender wear jersey number nine? And I remember uh, hearing a story that you were actually not a defender when you started. But talk to us about this jersey number. And is it true that you were not a defender when you started? No, no. When I was a young player, I used to play really an attacking role. I used to score loads of goals, <laughs> believe it or not. And uh, and then as I came through the years, I was I was mainly a midfielder. When I played for Durban City, I'm a Zulu. I was a oh. midfielder. Even when I joined Kaiser Chiefs, I was a midfielder. But when the number nine sort of came about, about in its essence, um, was was at Kaiser Chiefs. Um, I joined in 1990, and and Mark McGenna had just left. And he wore number nine, and he had just left the team. So I kind of took over because each of each individual just took a number, mm. and I kind of took over number nine. And then I was at, I was at Kaiser Chiefs for a whole decade. So when I went, and then suddenly Bafana came about. Actually, in my first game uh, in Durban, I played as number seven. Mm. I was given the number seven, and Max Mapuniani had number nine. And Marks played with Chiefs at number seven, and I had number nine. So <laughs> one or two games later, we just swapped the, the seven and nine around. He took seven, and I took nine. So that's basically now I continued with Pafana until I finished with the number nine. <laughs> and then is it true that it was the Chiefs where you were changed to a defender by, by Philip Trozier? Yeah, it was. Um, um, look, I mean, the, the central role I played in, in the Chiefs midfield and the Pafana midfield you know, to go back and play as a sweeper and a centre-back, centre 
you you have the same angles of play, you have the same same vision of the game, you know. Uh, so it wasn't a huge transformation. You're reading of the game, but Trezier had this three-five-two formation and played the offside trap, and he needed somebody that that could talk and communicate to get this the system of play operational. Mm. And he said, no, Neil, I'm going to take you from the midfield and put you at the back. And uh, and working with the three, three defenders, uh, with me being the central one, uh, working this offside trap and, and, you know, playing it effectively. Uh, and that's sort of when then, then I carried on playing at the back and, and, and then obviously went from the midfield to the back for, for Bufana as well. Wow. Let's go to the lines here. Pizzo from Rankova. Thanks for calling us. Good evening. Hey, main member, how are you? Okay, new member. Good, good, man. Uh, Captain. <laughs> yeah, how are you? How are you? Very well, let's, thank let's, you. Let's, let's, let's get politically now. Um, you were in South West Opus. How do you see the development there? Um, for an example, uh, Nigeria, Ghana. Uh, we see from, from uh, uh, under 17, under 20, he end up in the national team. You look for Germany. So what's happening with us? What's, what's the, how's the leadership been? Can you just uh, bring us there? Thank you. Okay, thanks for that, Pizzo. I've made a note of it. I just want to take William from the Free State also. Good evening, William. Uh, good evening, Tabiso. Mm. Good evening uh, to Neil there. Uh, yeah, good evening got, to uh, two questions. Yes, I've got two questions for you, Neil. Uh, in the old campaign of the 1996 uh, Africa Cup of Nations, which one would you record is your toughest game in the whole in the whole in the whole tournament? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one. I've got my view. I've got my view. You know, I think the semi-final was the most toughest. Is the was the most toughest of them all. And because you we you wanted to win that game so that you can go to the final. Okay, and what's the second question, so William? The, the second question is what's happening to Devon City? Is it still existing there? Is it still existing that team there? And who, who's the owner of the team? Okay. Is it still existing? Great stuff. Thanks, thanks for those calls. Let me get uh, our guest to answer. Neil, I just want to start with the one from the previous voice note about the captain's armband. He said you never wore an armband. No, I did. Yeah. I did wear an armband. Yeah. I did. I always wore an armband. Mm. Most certainly did. No, we also thought so. And then William wants to know which game was you? Do you think was the was the toughest there in that ninety six Afcon? Yeah, there was two matches. Um, he spot on with the Ghana semi final was probably one of our com- completest displays, okay. and it had to be against a really really top Ghanaian team. Yeah. Uh, they were laden with, with with stars all over the world, the Bidi Pelés and. The Yabowers and all of them, so we're a top team. But I think what set us on in the tournament was our first game against Cameroon. Mm-hmm. You cannot underestimate Cameroon. Yes, I never progressed through. And it was our first game that destroyed their whole competition. Mm. Uh, that 3-0 win in the opening game. You know, we did not really know. If you ask any of the players, how well are you going to do in the tournament? I, I can't believe that anyone in their right mind would have said, oh, we're going to win this final. We're going to win it. I think it was a case of just taking the game by game. And I think that, that that opening game against Cameroon kind of set us up, set the mood up of the tournament. The fans then were so happy. And it just added a new vibe, added a new step uh, in, 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 in us. And, uh, and it just set the whole tournament to laugh for us. And uh, so, yes, he's 100% right. The most, probably our most complete performance was Ghana. But I think the most important game was that Cameroon opening game where you had to set out what you were about in the tournament. He wanted to know also, William, about Devon City. What's happening with Devon City? Yeah, a lot of people are trying to revive it and there was been two fine. And, and I think at the moment, I'm not quite sure if I can give an answer to who, who the person is. But mm. in terms, I know they're trying to get the existence back at an amateur level, and then and then see where it goes from there. So, yeah, um, I probably, oh, what a wonderful team! I was really lucky, as I mentioned in the book, to discuss in the book that at the age of sixteen, seventeen, as a as a semi professional young player, um, it it laid a platform that were really extremely a professional outfit 
And I learned from really good senior professionals. And that's also one of the areas that you know, I think is lacking in, 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 in the teams and in the professional teams that we have nowadays. I mean, as, as a young professional, I had to really work hard. I had to graft. I had to pick up the boots. I had to pick up the clothes of my senior professionals. I had to really... And if I was out of place, I really used to give me a smack behind the ear and and, 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 and you appreciated that, you know. They wanted you to do it well in training. If you did, you know, if you did try to get smart and they try to do something that you shouldn't be doing, they really let you know that you're doing I don't know if there's enough professionals around at this moment in time uh, that that will, will, will bring that and bring it to the attention of these young professionals nowadays. And in the same vein, I don't think these young professionals are, have the ability to take that, take that, uh, uh, um, sort of criticism uh, from an, as a young player. I don't think they'll appreciate it as much as I did when I was a young player. So Durban City cer- certainly laid the foundation for, for what was a very, very wonderful career for me. And then Pizzo wanted to know then what's lacking? Why are the, the, the boys in the junior teams not progressing to the senior team like we're seeing with other countries on the continent? No, there is. There have been. Um, I just, you know, to add on to that, yes, he's right, he's correct in, in a certain way, but they are, as I said, there's a really, really nice crop of under 20 to under 23 players now that I can see uh, a large number of those players already playing in super sport and, 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 and the number of the teams now already. So they are going to get game time on the senior national team very, very soon. The likes of Furman have now located that. And so there are going to be a load of positions, I think, once they've been campaigned in the under-23 Olympics, I think you can see a load of those under-23 players now starting to jump into into the senior team. And, and, and as it turns out, we have a number of young professionals, like you were talking about, the, seven, the 17-year-olds and the under-20s. There will be one or two. And, I, and I'd like to see Malefi and Seki as a coach invite uh, one or two of those players into the squad trainings and and, and, and and give them a little bit of time amongst that so that when they do come to that situation that they're not it, it doesn't sort of overawe them so I think if cleverly if we organize that correctly uh, that can happen and there's a number of really good youngsters that are in Europe at the moment as well so uh, there is there's, there's some really nice times ahead if we if we lay the foundation correctly. Okay, let me go to more of the voice notes for Neil Tovey. Good day, Tabiso. Thank you for the excellent show. Doing very well, my brother. Uh, Neil Tovey, I just want to congratulate you on your great, great career in football, both the local with the local club and also for the nation. You displayed great leadership qualities. A uh, question I want to ask you, Mkoko, is why did you leave Kaiser Chiefs to join Sundowns? And also, what are you doing lately? I wish you a bright future in everything that you do. Luyanda Zokofa from Port Elizabeth. Evening to Tabiso, evening to Neil Tovey. It's Pani Zarutuli from Durban. Um, it's great to have such a legend. Um, Neil Tovey, you played your part. You did exceptionally well for the sports in South Africa. I'm a Kaiser Chiefs fan for Kaiser Chiefs. I was so happy when you played there. Um, just a couple of questions. First one, Neil Tovi, is um, in your early years when um, you were playing under apartheid, was there any pressure that you experienced from white people, you know, uh, to try and maybe uh, change you from the kind of attitude that you had, you know, towards other races as you were playing with uh, other races? Um, was there any uh, other pressure as a second question maybe from uh, your black uh, uh, opponents you know and even teammates hello captain you're speaking with tato matsunyani from bloomfontein uh, over the years you must have played with uh, a lot of other gifted defenders i'm thinking about the likes of nsema pk um howard freeze I just want to find out which combination, backline combination, were you a part of that you can say was the best backline combination you've ever had? 
Okay, thanks for those. Uh, let me just get him to answer. Uh, okay, we've got one more. Let's play it. Yes, yo, 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 what a legend today. What a, what a legend. Yeah, my man, this is Zex from Cape Town. Yo, I just want to know from Toby himself, the only defender I know in South Africa. Okay, of course, there was John, old, old John Mabizel. But yeah, those days, he was the best. I just want to know from Toby, <clears throat> which player did he fear most play against, including from his own team? You know, you know there are stories about practice. You know, I just want to know which which player he feared most, or even if he feared, but he think uh, it was um, difficult uh, to play against. Thank you. Thank you for those voice notes. I think we'll start from the bottom, Neil. Which uh, player was the most difficult or toughest to play against? Every opponent. <laughs> uh, that's how I treated the game. Um, you know, if, if I ever went into a game and I was complacent, uh, I would have been going into the game with a wrong, uh, wrong approach. Mm. Uh, and that's why I believe that I had more consistency in my game. Yes, obviously, there was games that, that, that didn't go too well and there was games that went very, very well for me. But I, I believe that I treated the game with respect. Uh, if I ever went in there and at any moment, um, every single moment on the field and every single game, I played as though it was my last game. And that's why I think I had almost 20 professional seasons in, in the game and uh, had, had had a wonderful career. So, uh, you know, yes, there were obviously opponents that were, were going to always be tougher than, than most. Um, I mean, in the international front, we played. I played against Henry, Pabeto, um, uh, Ian Wright. Uh, you know, uh, it was there was laden with with, with stars. Rivaldo uh, on the local front. I mean, there was always these uh, the Madals and 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 the Tumbers and and uh, so you know there was really always top opponents. But I believe that you never went into a game and undermined uh, and I estimated anyone. And then the back line, which would you say was the best back line that you played in? Well, uh, I would kind of think it was our Bafana back line. Mm. Um, with the likes of um, Cesar, uh, uh, Lucas and myself. Mm. Um, I, I kind of think that that's, that was a combination. We were very balanced. We had a lot of heart when you needed to win. Some aerial balls we needed. We had... A good ability to 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 distribute from the back, uh, tackling ability. So I believe that was, and probably I can't forget because when you talk of a defence, you've got to talk of a goalkeeper. So Andre Orange obviously played a major role in that as well. You know, and and it and it and it showed in the tournament. I mean, you know, with the clean sheets that he had. So, mm. you know, uh, I can't sort of not look at that combination that that we had then. Baniza Lutulio wanted to know that did you get any pressure from white people when you were playing with the, with blacks or vice versa? No, not actually because you know we, we, in in KZN in those years we had a wonderful wonderful amateur setup an amateur league and and with the players coming into that that situation as I said the <clears throat> football in those days was multiracial already from 1978. Yes, um, I, I never had any really pressure from anyone to say, what the hell are you doing in, in, a, in, a, in a black man's sport? Not at all. In fact, football was universal and, and quite very, very well supported. So, um, no, not at all. Uh, you know, there might have been some that didn't really understand uh, the, the logic in it, but because, uh, as I mentioned in the book, I, I came out of... Uh, uh, a situation where I could have played any of five different national team sports because that's what I did at school. Mm. Um, but football was always my first love. Uh, so, but no, I, I don't recall any bad moments where I had been questioned at all. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, we had some really, really good <laughs> awkward situations. Like I do mention in my book about mm. traveling into Bloemfontein. Uh, <laughs> uh, with Durban City, and we had Moffat Zuma and Rodney Charles and all of them, you know, in the in, in the eighties when you know you go and trying to go into a a, a Bloemfontein hotel and had to sneak them into into the room. So it's some wonderful stories in my book. But uh, 
you know, you look, just look back at it and, and you can smile and say, look, geez, we've been a long way down this road. Yeah. And then Luyanda Zokufa from PE wanted to know, why did you leave Chiefs for sundowns? <laughs> I was waiting for this question. <laughs> <laughs> I never, ever wanted to leave Kaiser Chiefs. Kaiser Chiefs was my, my dream. As I said, you know, because when I grew up, uh, I could only dream of playing for the best and the most successful con- uh, club in the country. I didn't have un- uh, international football to aspire to. As I said, only when Madiba came out, suddenly international football became a, a reality. But um, I was in my, my later years. I was 37 years of age. In fact, in 1999, uh, the 2000 season, I had done on the whole pre-season. Mm. Uh, and at the age of 37, uh, I had prepared myself for, for, for one more season to help the youngsters coming in. Jabu Pulas and all them were about to just embark in that season. And uh, I was even prepared to, to play a few games, step back, help, assist. Uh, I was already the assistant coach to Paul Dolazar as a player assistant in, 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 in the 98-99 season. Yeah. And I was really looking to go into a sort of uh, assistant coach role um, at the club. And, and I must tell you that when I did conducted all the, the physical training in the beginning of, of the pre-season, at my age of 37, I was uh, in the top three uh, at my age of 37 at Kaiser Chiefs. So I prepared mentally. I could prepare mentally well. I was physically very, very strong. So, um, and, and, and obviously had the ability to play another season in and out and, and to relinquish. But when I tried to discuss it with management, uh, there were certain people in, in management that, that were probably feeling that you know, Neil can't do it anymore. Mm. Um, and so I had other ideas. So we just couldn't come to an agreement. Um, and by the time it happened, suddenly Sundowns came in with an offer because Paul had... Paul Dollars, I had gone to Sundowns mm. as the coach, and he'd seen my player assistant role at Chiefs. And and to be honest, it was uh, I think there were certain issues that uh, I, you know I could say I, I regret it. I would love to have stayed at Chiefs and continued because that was my I love them. I love Chiefs. I love, absolutely adore Chiefs. <laughs> I thought that they do. And so but it was circumstance, as it happened, it was circumstance, mm. and, and then went on to win the league with, with, with Sundowns and the Rutland's Cup the next year with Sundowns. But it's, it wasn't something of my choice. I wanted to play another season. Sure. Neil, I didn't even realize that the time has flown by so fast. We're enjoying this conversation, but we have to leave it there. And I want to end with this tweet from Bob Zama saying, Neil Tov is one of the heroes, man. They must make some sort of an Invictus movie about him like they did with Francois Pinar. People like that are symbols of unity. Uh, keep doing it. Uh, thanks. Neil, thanks. It's been an honor for us and a pleasure uh, to speak to you. That's why we brought you on, to give you the respect that you deserve and just to share your story with, with, with everybody uh, that's listening to us and those maybe who are not aware of your journey. We appreciate the time that you've given us tonight. Yeah, thank you very much and everybody stay safe. And they must get the book. Please get the book, folks. (laughs) A captain's journey. A captain's journey, please. That's where you'll get all the stories up.